Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Episode 333 a special Christmas Day edition. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, wishing everybody happy holidays. Uh, if you're getting through Hanukkah, I hope you had a wonderful Hanukkah. If you're getting and you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you have other um, religions, faiths, celebrations, I wish you and yours, your family, uh, the absolute best. If you happen to be traveling this holiday season, I hope you do it uh, healthily and I hope you do it safely as well. Uh, certainly uh, heavy w- uh, weather conditions per usual winter times all around the country. So wishing everybody well, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, special Christmas edition. Today we are joined by my good friend Bobby Lamarco, aka Fantasy Football X Factor, to break down tonight's game, a rare Friday opportunity to watch some NFL football between the Vikings and the Saints, and of course the early slate on Sunday. If you missed the rest of our games, Lucas and I broke down the Saturday slate as well as the afternoon games on Sunday, Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football on the previous episode. If you haven't checked those out, we did cover eight other games then. Make sure you double check and get those in. Reminder, we do have Friday game tonight. We have three games tomorrow on Saturday, full game slate on Sunday per usual, Sunday Night and Monday Night Football. So make sure you have all of your rosters ready to go five straight days of NFL football Week 16, Fantasy Football Championship Week, Christmas Day, Christmas weekend, a lot going on. It's going to be an absolute blast. Bobby, how are you doing, man? How was your Christmas? How are you doing with your family and everything else this holiday season, man? I hope you were well, and I'm glad to have you with me today. Yeah, man. Pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays to everyone. Uh, I'm excited for a little Christmas football. You know, I'm not a, I'm a, I like NBA, but there's nothing like the NFL, so I'm looking forward to having some good meals with family and uh, watching a little football on, on Christmas day. I totally agree with you, man. And, and usually, you know, again, I grew up in the Bay area. I'm in Oregon now, but I grew up in the Bay area and uh, you know, the warriors being the warriors over the last decade or so. And the Lakers, of course, traditionally, like I've always kind of caught a local game uh, every Christmas. So that's kind of fun. You know, I'm not a huge NBA guy either, but I would, you know, I've been kind of spoiled as a a warrior fan as of late, obviously we're behind the eight ball nowadays, but uh, we had a good run there for a while. So it's been, it's been fun and entertaining and I don't mind watching a basketball game, but I certainly am with you. I'm, I'm obviously more of a, more of a football spirit. Absolutely. And we do have a rare opportunity to get some Friday night lights NFL edition, which is fun. And we're going to start off with the Vikings and the saints, the Vikings come in at six and eight, 
They've kind of had an up and down season, played very, very, very poorly to start the season, starting at one and five, and then played very, very, very well <laughs> later uh, throughout the season, about five and one. They've kind of evened off the last couple of weeks. And the Saints are 10 and four now. Of course, they had Taysom Hill for a handful of weeks. Drew Brees comes back last week after those 11 fractured ribs, comes in, does an admirable job, actually pulls within just a couple of points of taking off on the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Mahomes and boys get the win there. So the Saints are at 10 and four, but still looking at that number one position in the NFC outside of the Packers there. This is the first NFL game played on a Friday since week 16 of 2009. So more than a decade ago did we have an NFL game on Friday, but we do tonight. Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's get into this. Bobby, we got the Vikings here. There's a couple automatics, right? Dalvin Cook, no matter the matchup, we saw him do well against the Bucks. We saw him do well against the Bears. The Saints are arguably the toughest defense in NFL purposes and fantasy football purposes against the run. There's no chance you're sitting Dalvin Cook. You got to start him. Justin Jefferson seems to be the number one here for the Vikings, not Adam Thielen, but Adam Thielen, if you're going to call him the number two, is arguably the best number two receiver in the NFL you fire up both of these guys here. Kirk Cousins is going to be my kind of barometer of like two two quarterback leagues, not comfortable with him against the Saints in, in a single quarterback. And uh, Irv Smith, you know, again, deep flyer if, if you need just a couple of point floor there for your streaming tight end. On the Saints side, we do have Drew Brees back. He had a rough first half, but he came back, did well in the second half. Alvin Kamara knocking off the rust a little bit with Brees. I think Alvin Kamara is going to have a huge game. Michael Thomas is out on IR, getting ready for the NFL playoffs, but out for our fantasy playoffs. Also, Traquan Smith is going to be out for this game as well. Should have a big appearance from Emmanuel Sanders. And they have Marcus Callaway reactivated off the IR who did well a few weeks ago as well. Jared Cook should have a big game in this one. So who of the Saints outside of Alvin Kamara um, is going to be a, a smash start for you here uh, with the Vikings? And again, this kicks off five days in a row of us having um, or four days, I should say, but uh, five sections, Friday, Saturday slate, Sunday, early Sunday, late, and then Monday, of course, uh, for the week 16 fantasy championships. How do we feel about the Vikings and the Saints? Yeah, so when I was looking at this game and I was evaluating all the dropback data to understand, you know, the volume for this game, you know, the Vikings are six and a half point underdogs on the road in New Orleans. So right there, you kind of like that favoring them for pass volume for that pass game. Now, you did a good job covering the fact we're not sitting Dalvin Cook and we're not sitting Alvin Kamara, but I'll tell you this, I'm excited from, for Alvin Kamara from a DFS perspective. I think he's worth the price this week. You know, the Minnesota defense is actually a run funnel defense. They're a little bit more vulnerable against the run. So, and it, and it looks like that in the actual data when I look at pass game volume. So Minnesota was is 31st in dropbacks per game over the last five weeks um, in, in dropbacks and 32nd in expectations. So they're not seeing a lot of volume on defense. And a lot of that has to do with the fact they are a little bit more susceptible to the ground game but also because they have a good ground game. So there isn't a lot of volume there. So when I'm looking at the Saints, when we talk about them, you'll understand why I'm not too high on that many pass catchers. Now, on the flip side, New Orleans, for example, is sixth in dropbacks per game on defense over the last five weeks and 17th in expectation. So, you know, Minnesota is probably the team that you're going to see a little bit more pass volume in this game, a little more volume for Kirk Cousins playing on the road as underdogs. So when I look at the Vikings, and how you beat the Saints, listen, they have Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins on the outside, and they're much more vulnerable to the slot. And that's been proven time and time again. 
But when I'm looking at over the last couple of weeks, guys that had beat them, you know, Tyree Kill had a monster game against them. Julio Jones, Russell Gage, and Calvin Ridley all had productive games. And Brandon Ayuk also had a very productive game against this New Orleans, uh, New Orleans Saints defense. So from the Vikings perspective, yes, they run a lot of two tight end sets. That means that you're going to see Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen versus Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. But that pass volume projection tells me that you're going to get enough volume for them to produce. So I'm okay with Justin Jefferson and I'm okay with Adam Thielen, but they're going to have tough cornerback matchups. So I think they're probably fringe top 24 wide receivers in this game. Um, but I think they're both solid starts. As for the tight end position, listen, the Viking, uh, the, the New Orleans Saints is one of the best defense against the tight end and also versus expectation versus tight end. So, you know, that hosh posh is Kyle Rudolph going to play. He looks like he has not practiced this week. So I'm assuming he's out, but even if he does it, it was Conklin last week, not Irv Smith. I was all about Irv Smith and Conklin was the one that scores the touchdown. That's just the game. I listen, I, I can't tell you the truth. I don't know who's going to be the one that gets in the end zone. Is Irv Smith maybe worth a shot? I would say I would definitely fade him. I'm probably going to look more towards the receivers and Dalvin Cook in this game. On the same side, listen, the injuries to Traquan Smith, Michael Thomas does bring some clarity. So we know that Alvin Kamara is a smash play. I don't think anybody's going to get cute and start Latavius Murray in this game. Um, because of Michael Thomas being out, the Saints don't have the firepower to blow out Minnesota. So that garbage time, maybe that fourth quarter dominant run game is not going to happen. So maybe Latavius Murray isn't a flexible asset, but who I do really like is Emmanuel Sanders. So when I'm looking at who beats the Minnesota Vikings, it's outside wide receivers. You know, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney both had very productive games. Leviscus Chenault had double digit fantasy points. And then Robbie Anderson also had a very productive game versus the Minnesota Vikings over the last few weeks. So there is production to be there for outside wide receivers. That's Emmanuel Sanders. He, did, he doesn't kick inside a lot uh, with this current, receiving core. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is actually a sleeper play, a solid, maybe in a fringe top 24 wide receiver on the week. So when I'm looking at this matchup as a whole, I'm sticking with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen as wide receiver threes, and then Kamara and Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think I'm going to go outside of that too much. Um, if you're playing on the single game slate, I think Callaway is someone that in DFS could be a dart throw because he's like dirt cheap. I think that's a great call. And Callaway did have a pretty good game a few weeks ago. Michael Thomas, again, pretty much hasn't been usable, unfortunately, in fantasy football most of the year. And frankly, even when he has been active, he's almost hurt your team because when Michael Thomas is one of those guys where if he's at, it's like Keenan Allen last week, if he's active, you have to play him because of the upside, but he's unfortunately let you down. So I don't want to say that you're better off <laughs> with Michael Thomas out, but I will say when guys are like on the fringe, I almost prefer them to be out or definitely in and healthy like George Kittle coming up this week. Right. It's just yeah. like, you don't know it's ambiguous. It's George Kittle. You got a plan, but do you want to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's going to yeah. be an interesting situation. I think it's going to be a great game tonight. I'm looking forward to it again. Rare times. I remember as a kid, uh, you know, open up presents and, and having, having the, the Christmas day and you're in your PJs all day. And I grew up in California, man. So you know, we're out shooting hoops and uh, <laughs> roller hockey and stuff. There's no ice. It was barely even cold. It was usually about 60 degrees on Christmas day, but we come inside, you know, hot cocoa and cookies and whatever. And we had like a NFL game sometimes late at night. Um, and it was just the best. I really appreciate that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, some Christmas day nostalgia that we have NFL tonight as well. Rare Friday night game. Enjoy it, everybody. Hopefully you can kick off your week 16 championship week with a couple of studs. 
All right, let's move on here to the Sunday morning slate then. Again, Lucas and I broke down all of the Saturday games as well as the Sunday afternoon and evening games and Monday night football. So you want to catch the rest of those matchups, dial back one episode to 332, and you can catch all of that. Bobby and I are going to do the early slate here for Sunday. We'll start here with the Cleveland Browns and the New York football Jets. Man, the Jets crushing it on a winning streak here for the first time this season. Best for them. (laughs) One and 13 with a huge win, uh, maybe accidental. I know you're from the uh, general New Jersey area. I would like to get the, um, the temperature. Uh, I know you're a Giants guy, but I'd like to get the temperature of your Jets friends as well. How are they feeling? Are they excited about the win? Are they disappointed about Full losing tilt. the number one? Yeah, losing, <laughs> losing that number one. So I'll ask you on that first. The Browns, though, come in very, very surprised. And maybe not super surprising per se but surprising in the fact that Odell Beckham has been out for the last two months and they have not skipped a beat and arguably better off without him. I know that's an argument to have, but Baker's highly more efficient. The run game has been great. Nick Chubb is back and healthy. The defense is getting healthy at the same time. Uh, Miles Garrett, obviously playing very well. Uh, Denzel Ward back. They're looking very good. The Browns have won five of the last six games and the only loss they've had in that stretch was the overtime loss to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, where he famously comes out of the tunnel from quote-unquote cramps and gets the W, but the Browns are basically one stop away from being essentially 6-0 in the last month and a half, playing very, very well. For the Browns side, Baker's been on fire. Are you comfortable playing him in single quarterback leagues? It's weird to think of him as a streamer as he's been the QB3 over the last four weeks. But Baker Mayfield generally is kind of in that streaming category. You did not draft him in the top 10 this year. So he's kind of a streaming quarterback. Are you comfortable with him against the Jets in a single quarterback league? Two quarterback super flex. Of course, you're playing him right now. Ride the hot hand. Uh, Nick Chubb's automatic. Jarvis Landry, I feel, is automatic as a RB2-3 flex. But some auxiliary pieces here for the Browns with big upside versus the Jets. But you're worried about maybe the floor. Kareem Hunt, for sure. And... um Austin Hooper as well. A couple other guys here. Maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones is a deep DFS option. Maybe Rashard Higgins as well. Keep an eye on some of those names. And then for the Jets, look, they did get the win. I do want to ask you about like how your New Jersey friends are feeling about the Jets really quick. But um, in all seriousness, I, I still don't think you can start anybody uh, with any faith against uh, these Browns here for fantasy football. So first, Bobby, how is how's the temperature back home on the East Coast about the Jets in general with that win? Um, how are Jets fans feeling about losing that number one pick potentially to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but getting the win and no longer going winless on the season for pride at least. And then how do you feel about the Browns and the Jets overall for fantasy purposes? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, should be the next coming, right? But to be honest with you, you can't predict the future. I mean, honestly, we don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to translate to the NFL. He probably should, but at the same time, you know, kid at Ohio State Fields, BYU quarterback. There's a couple of good guys out there. And look at Josh Allen's a good example of how well he's playing. He wasn't the number one overall. That went to Baker Mayfield. So, you know, I, I get it. Trust me, Trevor Lawrence, you know, comes in. But you got to get rid of Adam Gase, right? So if Gase is gone, and listen, you can say what you want about Darnold, but Darnold's actually younger than uh, Burrow. So that's crazy to think that even though he's been in the league for two more years, Sam Darnold's so young. He was 20 when he entered the league. It's tough for a Jeff fan. Listen, Darnold got a, a really bad hand. And listen, Adam Gase, I don't even know how this guy continues to get you know head coaching jobs, but neither here or there. But it looks like they're going to move on. I Listen, my Jets friends, to be honest with you, they 
I don't even think they're tilting anymore. As a Jet fan, you're just always on tilt. So it's Man. like, even after the win, they're just like, it, it's expected, right? So, but when I'm looking at this game, you know, listen, good for the Jets. They got the win last week on the road against the Rams. I know when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you actually called this game to be the game the Jets got their first win. So do you still feel the same way? With the, with the Jets over the Browns? Um, yeah. You know, uh, no. And, and, and actually, here's why. A couple of weeks ago, I thought so because I just didn't – I mean, I've actually kind of been a Browns truther on the podcast. Lucas and I have been kind of throwing blows for the last two years about – I mean, he's kind of a, a Browns disbeliever, and I'm a Browns believer mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. So, yes, I predicted this game as the upset at the end of the season, but the reality is, man, I feel like they got their one win. They Look, to lose the number one pick is one thing, and frankly – I think everybody believes that Trevor Lawrence is going number one to whoever gets that pick. Okay. Right. Um, but there, as you said, we talk about the draft all season long and it's always like this DN, this offensive tackle, you know, this, uh, I don't know, deep, um, whatever high profile receiver, whatever. And then it comes into the quarterbacks last minute. Every time there is no guarantee that Jacksonville, if they get that number one pick is going to actually take Trevor Lawrence. Just oh, they because are. they could, they well, come sure. on, <laughs> sure. But what I'm saying is, yeah. what I'm saying is, if they don't, the Jets either still get an opportunity or they could again keep continue to swap picks and do all these other things. So, what I'm saying is, the Jets got a win for their pride, right? <laughs> and they are, they're going, they're not going winless. I don't think a they can beat the Browns, but they just beat a better team, in my opinion, in the Rams overall. But I don't think they win this game because they're coming off that high. The Browns saw what happened that the Jets are actually playing. They're not going to allow them to be knocked out of the playoffs potentially uh, to lose to the Jets. So no, I don't feel the same. I was surprised as everybody else was that they beat uh, the Rams, but uh, I don't think they get by the Browns. Yeah, no. And and this is the thing too, that now the Browns are within one game of the Steelers. They cannot have a letdown. So it'd be one thing if they were, you know, either locked into the playoffs or not going to be able to catch the Steelers and they were either getting for a wild card, they could fall asleep on this one. But but the Rams win uh, losing last week and the Browns one game out of winning that division, I think they're going to be ready. And it, I, that's why, you know, when I look at this game, so, uh, you know, obviously the Jets are heavy home underdogs. And when I'm looking at the drop back data, listen, the Jets are one of the biggest pass funnel defenses in the NFL. So they're very good against the run, very poor against the pass. They're actually fifth in dropbacks per game over the last five weeks and sixth in expectations. So they're seeing a lot of volume and they're actually way over expectation. So that tells me Baker Mayfield is in line for another great game. And then on the flip side, Cleveland's the other way. So Cleveland's 22nd in dropbacks over the last five weeks on defense and 21st in expectation. So, and the jets are one of those weird teams. Adam Gase refuses to drop back and throw the ball 50 times in a game. He will run Frank Gore down your throat, even if he's down three to four three to four touchdowns. So that's what I'm, I don't see the pass volume for the jets in this game. I actually do see it for the Browns. So when I'm looking at the Browns and who beats the jets, you know, I think obviously, you know, the injury, I mean, so Nick Chubb, you're going to start him and I'm not saying you fade him. The jets do give up a decent amount of points to running backs overall through the combination of the air and also the ground. But you know, they're not going to be able to dominate the Jets on the ground. We saw it last week. You know, the, the ground game for the Rams, which is a very good run offense, was average. I mean, 15 carries for 63 yards for Akers. Yes, he did hurt his ankle in that game, but they didn't do a lot through the ground. So 
I don't think Nick Chubb is going to go for 150 yards in this game or anything crazy. I think he's going to get his, but they're going to be able to beat the Jets to the air. Now, slot receivers, very good against the Jets, and also tight ends have been very good against the Jets. So when I'm looking at that, I think outside of Nick Chubb, you can definitely play Jarvis Landry in this game. I think Landry's a fantastic, you know, borderline wide receiver, too, in this matchup. I think he definitely has the upside to even maybe flirt with high-end wide receiver, two numbers in this game based on where the Jets are vulnerable. Now, outside of Landry, I think, listen, Higgins, when I was looking at who actually has beaten the Jets, it has been interior receivers. But we just saw Robert Woods have the big game last week versus the Jets, not Cooper Cup. So, yes, last week it was Robert Woods over Cup. But I think in this game, Landry's the one. But I think Higgins, if you're desperate, you need a wide receiver three. I think Higgins can actually be a solid play. He's proven time and time again to produce um, last week, he led the team in receiving and receiving yards with 76. So I think Higgins is actually on the wide receiver three map in this game behind Jarvis Landry. And then Austin Hooper. I think, listen, Hooper to me is a little bit risky, but the Jets are probably the most uh, vulnerable tight end defense in the NFL. They cannot stop tight ends. Ever since they traded Jamal, Will, uh, Jamal Adams, they have not been able to slow down tight ends at all. And I think that Austin Hooper, because of his role in this offense, you know, last week you got it going five for 41 and one. I think you can actually play Hooper as a low end tight end one in this matchup. Now for the Jets, there should be opportunities because they're expected to trail in this game, of course. And the Browns are actually, you know, average against the run and average against the pass overall. So I do think that Frank Orr is an ugly 20 carry guy, but he's probably going to see another 20 carries for whatever reason. They still want to feed him the rock over and over again. So I'm not starting Frank Gore on my championship. I'm sorry, unless you're just decimated with injuries. But guys like Antonio Gibson should be back. And, you know, there's so many options like Pollard out there now and different players that are coming out of the woodwork. So I'm not playing Frank Gore, but the receiving core, it's actually outside wide receivers versus interior guys. So listen, you know, Darius Slayton, Marquise Hollywood Brown, uh, Davis and A.J. Brown from the Titans all had very productive games against the Jets. Uh, against the Browns, my apologies. And so when I'm looking at that, that leans Denzel Mims and Bashard Perriman over a guy like James and Crowder. I am not trusting any of these guys uh, in my fantasy championship, but at the same time, if you're looking at, if you're desperate, uh, you're, you're probably going to lean Perriman and Mims, but the problem is it's been flip-flopped. Neither guy has really stood out over the last month. They've been very similar when it comes to production. They've been very similar in routes. So I, uh, I'm not going to go with that, but if you're desperate, maybe Perriman, he's running the most routes on the team, but at the same time, I'm not interested. And then of course, tight ends really do beat the Browns, but they don't use my, my boy. They breaks my heart. Chris Herndon, who's never been used this year, but so overall on the Jets side, I'm not interested in any of these guys, but if you are desperate and you need a wide receiver, I think Perriman's big play threat could play a factor in this game, especially with them trailing. And on the Browns, I do like Baker. I do like Nick Chubb. Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, and Austin Hooper in this game. I note on Austin Hooper, the Jets, as you mentioned, are have been more vulnerable the last five weeks. I mean, they're the Jets in general, but they've been more vulnerable even the last five weeks. And in that time, they have been given they have given up eight more fantasy points than expected to tight end specifically. You just right. mentioned you just mentioned that they do not they can't cover the tight end. I just want to reiterate that. Austin Hooper is sketch because he might have three targets if they run the ball 40 times. But it, I mean, the Baker Mayfield targets the tight ends 
along with anybody else in the NFL, right? A third of his uh, touchdowns at this point of his career have gone to the tight end position. So of course that could easily be Austin uh, Hooper for one or two. And we all know that if we get, you know, four for 40 from a tight end, that's about breaking even. If they happen to score that touchdown, now you're talking top five, six uh, um, efficiency. So you can do worse uh, as a streamer than uh, Austin Hooper. Good call there. All right, let's move on to your Giants and the Baltimore Ravens here. Five and nine for the Giants. Uh, the Ravens are the opposite. Nine and five. Baltimore has a 116 point differential this season, the second most in NFL. What that means is Baltimore has scored 116 points more than they've given up this season. Obviously, quite impressive there. Uh, for the Giants, look, if we can get Daniel Jones back. Uh, we can think about these receiving weapons. We can think about Wayne Gallman. We can maybe start and stream Evan Ingram. If it's Colt McCoy, I'm fading everybody. I'd like to hear your opinion on that as a kind of a Giants insider. And then Ravens-wise, at this point, you start your studs. Lamar Jackson is playing his best football of the season at the right time in the championship. you got to fire up Lamar, of course. Dual threat ability there. And then I feel good about Dobbins as well. The Giants – you know, to their respect, did slow down at least Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt last week. So there are no snuffs against the run game, but the Ravens are just a different breed. I think uh, Dobbins will get enough to be to be worthy. You know, obviously uh, RB2 probably. Um, I wouldn't count him as your number one, but you aren't anyway as he didn't play most of the season. So you got other options at this point, but I feel good with him. Um, Andrews is automatic at the tight end position. Hollywood Brown, look, he's boomer bust, and I just don't trust it necessarily each week i would go elsewhere if you possibly can is there anybody else in this game that you feel good about here with the giants and the ravens so when i was looking at this game i think the biggest uh impact is james bradbury he was out last week with covid and we saw an immediate impact so rashard higgins on the outside was able to get his jarvis landry had a very productive game he brought up donovan peoples jones Bradbury back allows the Giants to use him as a shadow corner. So Bradbury most likely be on Marquise Hollywood Brown. That definitely brings Brown uh, down Brown's like overall production makes him more of a risky wide receiver three play in this game. So when I'm looking at the Giants, though, they have been a little bit more of a pass funnel defense over the last uh, five weeks. You know, they're 12th in, in dropbacks per game on defense. They're 11th in expectations. So teams are getting pass volume against the Giants. But the crazy thing is the uh, the Ravens have been a complete uh, – they have third in the NFL in dropbacks per game over the last five, third in expectation. So there's going to be passing game opportunities for both sides in this game. Um, but then when I'm looking at it, okay, the Giants, who beats the Ravens? You know, it's, it is average for run games against the Ravens defense. They have been pretty banged up. Clay Campbell's been in and out of the lineup over the last couple of weeks. Um, but they also have been very vulnerable against pass game RBs. So – you know, that when I look at that, listen, Alfred Morris and Wayne Gallman are kind of splitting work now. I couldn't even tell you why they think Alfred Morris should get more work, but neither here or there. Neither guy is really featured because Deion Lewis gets passing game work. So that kind of muddies the waters a little bit for me. I'm kind of staying hands off of the Giants running back and uh, running backs in this game because it's Deion Lewis getting passing game work and Gallman and Morris are splitting work. So off the Giants running backs. But where you beat the Ravens defense actually has been with outside wide receivers. So, you know, Rashard Higgins a couple weeks ago had a very big game. Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper also had very productive performances against this Ravens secondary. So when you look at the Giants, listen, Darius Slayton has come back alive a little bit over the last couple of weeks. He actually had 74 yards last week with Colt McCoy. Now, I don't think from a passing game perspective, Colt McCoy is much worse 
than the uh, than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones does bring the element of running the football a lot more than Colt McCoy, but from a pure passing game perspective, McCoy actually did look pretty good against the Browns. A, two drives stalled on fourth downs in like the red zone, and they moved the football very well against the Browns. Colt McCoy is a very serviceable quarterback, so listen, it's tough because we're talking about your fantasy championships, but I think Darius Slayton to me has kind of earned himself back into that flex radar. He's proven back to back weeks that he's getting, he had nine targets last week. And I think that he can definitely win a little bit on the outside against these corners. So I think Darius Slayton with whoever's the quarterback actually to me is probably a flex play this week in this matchup. Shepard is more of a PPR play, but what I heard is golden Tate might be out. So if Tate is out, I think that Shepard is going to get a little more work. Slayton get more work, but Slate uh, Shepard might kick to the slot. So maybe that helps him out a little bit, but I think from a fantasy perspective, Slayton's the only guy I'm going to start in my flex this week in that matchup, but also the Ravens are vulnerable against tight ends. So I think Evan Ingram might be the best passing game weapon out of all of them. So I think Ingram's probably the guy I would want in this game, low end tight end one, then Darius Slayton might be a fringe wide receiver three in this game. Now for the Ravens, the Giants' defense is awesome. I mean, they've done a fantastic job all year. James Bradbury should shadow Marquise Hollywood Brown. I think that kind of limits him. Mark Andrews, listen, even though the Giants are very good against tight ends, you're not sitting Mark Andrews. They're not good enough to stop a premier tight end like Mark Andrews. But Lamar Jackson, to me, is kind of the most puzzling one because Lamar Jackson is a different breed. He's not just a passing quarterback. Uh, both Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson had 40 yards rushing against the Giants. The Giants do run a decent amount of man because they shadow James Bradbury with top wide receivers. So maybe Lamar Jackson can get it done on the ground again. So in on Lamar, in on Mark Andrews. And then Dobbins, listen, the run game for the Giants, like we just touched on, Chubb actually had a very slow day. But that element that Lamar brings, I'm riding the hot hand. So I'm in on Dobbins as well. So I think it's Dobbins, Lamar, and Mark Andrews for the Ravens. And for the Giants, I think it's Mark, I think Evan Ingram's the only slam dunk. But if you're desperate, and you need a wide receiver three, I think Darius Slayton can get you a, a productive day. I think that's a great call. How do you feel? We don't do DSTs very often, but the Ravens are the Ravens on paper. They always have a high projection no matter what platform you're playing. I've had them in two leagues all season long. They're always projected high over some streamers. I play the Ravens, but they've been beat up uh, big time. They're getting healthy, which is good, but they've been beat up. They've let up a lot of yardage. They've let up a lot of points. The Ravens are scoring a lot, which means they're getting the opponent, the ball a lot recently. They're beat up in the secondary. They've been letting me down as a DST. I know we don't talk about DST as much, but it is the fantasy championship. We need to consider all options. And I feel like the Ravens are kind of a set it and forget it defense versus what could be a surprising offense. Maybe if they can get it together or Bobby, do you just feel like, look, they're the Ravens. They're healthy enough. Ride them out. Ride them out. Yeah. Fair I would enough. play the Ravens. If you have them, they're a top 12 DST this week. So, Got it. Let's move on to the not-so-bungles and the Houston Texans, the Bengals. Now, the Jets get the most surprising win of the entire season because nobody expected them to win any games, so they beat the Rams. But just, you know, the next day, Monday Night Football comes out. The Steelers come out kind of flat. Then the first quarters goes by. Then the Bengals are up 17-0. And then it's halftime. And then the Steelers are slow in the third quarter. Now all of a sudden Twitter starts waking up like, is this for real? Like are the Jets going to win a game and the Bengals are going to win a game in like a matter of 24 hours? Sure enough, the Bengals get the huge upset over the reeling Steelers. 
Yikes. The Steelers are a mess right now. That's another conversation. The Bengals are 3-10 and 1. The Texans not much better, just a half game better at 4-10 and somehow. Houston has won the last three games against the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in their last history. For the Bengals, it's very hard for me to get behind anybody. I know Gio Bernard accidentally scored two touchdowns against the very, very good uh, Pittsburgh defense, who is no longer very, very good. Uh, T. Higgins is my favorite receiver, more so than uh, Tyler Boyd in a a neutral situation. But I'm just not comfortable with any of these guys unless they're your wide receiver three, maybe a flex or two, just on hoping they get five, six targets in this game. So I personally am not comfortable with – Anybody on the Bengals, including Gio Bernard. If I go to the Texans, Deshaun, you got to fire up. There's huge upside there. Brandon Cooks, I, I'm losing faith in, but I, I, I think that he is a boom bust receiver with a nice floor that I can count on. So I'm going to take those seven targets and hope one of those catches is a 50 yard touchdown, is what it comes down to. So I like Brandon Cooks this week. Kiki QT and Chad Hansen, fun stories, deep DFS plays if you need to. Spot fills if you need a flex, but at this point in the fantasy championship, you probably have better options. I'm going to fade those guys if I can. Look, David Johnson is the talking piece here. With Duke Johnson out last week, 11 targets, 11 receptions, over 100 yards through the air alone. Now, we know he can't really run the ball like he used to, but he's always been a very, very good pass catcher out of the backfield. If they're going to utilize him that way, at least for fantasy football, especially in PPR and half PPR leagues, he's going to rack up those points. So I feel good about Deshaun. I feel good about uh, David Johnson. I'm going to ride out Brandon Cooks. And for the Bengals, meh, I guess Tyler Boyd or Higgins, if you had to pull out somebody. Yeah, so this is the thing. When I Houston Texans defense has been asleep. I mean, they've been getting destroyed by pretty much everybody uh, across the board. And, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Steelers, and Ryan Finley attempted 13 passes. And he completed seven of them. He completed seven passes and they won 27 to 17. For 89 yards. For 89 yards. It just doesn't make sense. Like no one was productive. No receiver had over 40 yards receiving. It's just, it's mind blowing. So to answer your question, God, I, I, you couldn't trust anybody. You don't even know how that happened. It was a fluke and it shows up in the numbers. So when I'm looking at dropback data for the defenses, so Cincinnati's 27th in the NFL over the last five weeks in dropbacks per game on defense and they're 30th in expectation. So this, this team is not trying to be in a shootout. They're not trying to dominate, you know, big Ben last week had 38 pass attempts. They're going to try to run the football, slow down the game. They know they don't have a quarterback. And I think that does worry me a little bit about Deshaun Watson on the Houston side. They are 16th in dropbacks per game, 10th in expectation. So there is a little more pass volume to be there for the other side of the football, but the Texans should be favored in this game. They actually are big favorites at home. That's not normal this season for the Texans. So we don't really know much about the Sean Watson. The two games they won were against the Jaguars. They dominated the Jags. One game, Deshaun Watson completely blew up in that game. Um, so it is interesting to say the least, but do the Bengals have the firepower? I don't believe so. I don't think the Bengals have the, the game, the, the, the quarterback play to make this a shootout that Deshaun Watson needs to go for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Um, So I think they can win this football game with a little bit of David Johnson, but remember they don't run the football a lot. So this is going to be an intro. I'm I'm actually very interested. So when the Bengals, let's talk about them first, who beats the Texans ground game. So Gio coming off a very nice performance, 25 carries for 83 yards and a score against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, listen, I mean, he did it against the Steelers, then he might be able to do it against the Houston Texans who just been get destroyed 
by running back. So I think Geo to me is a flex play this week. I don't think he's anything more than that. I'm not going to run out and start him over anybody, but I think Geo is a serviceable play. He actually is the clear starting running back. I actually thought they would start using Williams and P Ryan a little bit more, but no, Geo's their guy. He had 25 carries in Pittsburgh. I think you can roll with him. And then when you look at who beats the, the Texans, otherwise it's mostly slot receivers. They're a big slot funnel defense. So Zach Pascal, had a very big game against the Texans last week, five receptions, 79 yards, and two touchdowns. Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hillen had very productive games. Allen Robinson plays about 40% of his snaps in the slot. So when I look at that, you're right, probably leaning a little bit towards maybe Tyler Boyd, but that's just – I'm not interested. I don't think Tyler Boyd and those guys are anything more than desperation wide receiver threes uh, in this game. Um, so that's pretty much it. I think Geo's the only guy that's maybe flex-worthy. On the Texan side, listen, I think Deshaun Watson's just playing at a different level, but the Cincinnati's past defenses have been very good, and it shows in their numbers. They've been very productive against quarterbacks this season. They have not allowed a lot of production to quarterbacks. They've been very low in dropbacks this season, so that's brought down a lot of bull, a lot of production for quarterbacks. So, you know, it is – so when I'm looking at this for running games, though, it is – you can beat them through the air with running backs. So I think David Johnson, like you said, 11 targets last week. Awesome. I'm in on David Johnson. I think he's definitely can beat them in the passing game. It's great news to see him get that many targets, but did you hear news on Duke? Is he definitely out? Uh, I will double check that for you. Yeah. Let me know because if Duke's out, I think David Johnson's a slam dunk again. Um, I'd be a little bit more worried because if he's, if he's in, they're going to split that, but this matchup for, for the Texans is better for outside wide receivers uh, we saw Deontay Johnson, Amari Cooper, and Sterling Shepard all have very productive games. So when I'm looking at those type of receivers, I think Brandon Cooks, to me, is definitely in play as a solid wide receiver three in this game. He did kind of, even though Hanson and QT scored the touchdowns, he was clearly ahead of them in receptions and yardage last week. So I think Brandon Cooks could actually be in a solid wide receiver three. I'm going back to the well again on him. Hanson, QT, listen, I think you're getting very cute. They've been productive. Nice stories, like you said. But that dropback data to me shows me that there's not going to be enough pass volume for these guys. Remember, Hanson, that was a broken play. He had two receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Most of that came on one play where he was just wide open, a broken play against Indianapolis. So I'm not risking it. I'm not touching it. Uh, And the tight ends, listen, you know, Aikens, five receptions for 50 yards last week. I actually think Aikens, to me, is another serviceable play. Cincinnati's been very vulnerable against tight ends. We didn't get to see it last week. Ebron got hurt early. But overall, Cincinnati's been very vulnerable. So I think Aikens, if you're desperate, could be a tight end one, low-end tight end one in this matchup. Two things here for Actually, three things. We'll start with Duke Johnson. He was held out of practice again uh, later this week with a similar neck injury. So it looks like he will probably be on the wrong side of questionable heading into the game. I would not expect him to play, even if he does, because it's the neck, I would imagine it's, it's, you know, they're out of contention. Duke Johnson is, is someone to look forward for the future. I would imagine they just shut him down. Even if he plays, he'll be limited. David Johnson, I think you fire up. I want to play a very quick version of Gio Bernard or, and then David Johnson. or. So, so Gio Bernard is going to be PPR only. And he's probably, right. as you mentioned, a flex option. So I can't imagine you're in your fantasy championship game and you have to start Gio Bernard. But if you do, it's probably a flex. So let me just throw some names at you really quick. Just give me Gio Bernard or let's go with um, let's go with uh, Kenyon Drake versus the 49ers. Ch- Chase Edmonds is questionable. 
Yeah, uh, I would go Drake. Okay, Naheem Hines against Pittsburgh. I would go Gio. Wayne Gallman at Baltimore. Gio. Ito Smith at Kansas City as the starter, not Todd Gurley. God, you know, Ito is interesting. I don't know what to think of Ito, to be honest with you. I, I Listen, I would probably take Gio because he's getting all those touches. All right, well, we're going to cover that game in just a second here. Yeah. And then uh, two two more here, Devin Singletary at the Patriots. Oh, Gio. Okay, and then uh, Savon Ahmed if Miles Gaskin Ooh. is active as well. Well, Gaskins is in. He got cleared, yeah. so I, I would yeah. definitely play Gio over Ahmed. Okay, and then a quick version of David Johnson as well up at the top. Now, David Johnson's a solid RB, too. Right. But there's a couple other fluctuating. So let's throw out um, – I'll go with uh, DeAndre Swift versus Tampa Bay. Very good against the run. DeAndre Swift, not much in the yardage, but he's scoring touchdowns. DeAndre Swift for David Johnson. Uh, DeAndre Swift. Melvin Gordon at the Chargers, revenge game. Melvin Gordon. Darrell Henderson at Seattle, no Cam Akers. Ooh, Darrell Henderson. Kareem Hunt at the Jets, but as you mentioned very early on in the season, usually not Kareem Hunt unless it's a shootout or a blowout. Right, right. Yeah, it could be a blowout. I'm going to go David Johnson in that one. Okay, two more. J.D. McKissick versus Carolina. I like J.D. a lot. This and Chris Carson versus the Rams or David Johnson. Got to roll with Carson. All right. Let's move on here. Next up, as you mentioned, we previewed uh, there just for a second. We're going to get into the Falcons and the Chiefs in a second. But next in our list, we have the Chicago Bears and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chicago at 500 here, 7-7. Seven and seven. Jacksonville now owns the number one pick. Thank you uh, to uh, those Jets. So Jacksonville, of course, wins opening day with Garner Minshew. They've been 0-13 since. And now they get an early Christmas present with the number one pick. Shouts out to the Jags there at one and 13. Jacksonville is allowing 30 points per game this season, the most in team history. This is a team that not only had the best DST in fantasy football just three years ago, but they had one of the best defenses in a single season in NFL history in 2017. They are giving up the most points per game in team history this season. Horrendous. We'll start with the Bears, man. A lot of, uh, again, I don't think there's a lot of fantasy gold in this one because of the matchup, but let's go through it here quickly. Trubisky, Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, and let's go Cole Komet. Allen Robinson, automatic. David Montgomery, of course, has been absolutely phenomenal through the playoffs. You're writing him, of course. The question marks are going to be Trubisky is a streamer and Cole Komet. Now, Jimmy Graham is still in the picture, but Cole Komet significantly outsnapping him. Just two for 12 last week, so obviously – uh, you know, didn't come through there, but we know it's the tight end and it's up in the air. If you need to stream deep uh, at tight end, I think you can do worse in this matchup. I'm not, a, I maybe a DFS play with Mooney personally, uh, but I'm just, I'm probably not going to ride that in my, um, in my redraft leagues for Jacksonville side. Even if James Robinson plays, I don't think he will. He wants to play. The coaches are basically saying that he's only going to play if he's 100%. Again, they have nothing to play for. James Robinson wants to play because this guy wasn't even supposed to play this season in, in general. He's been absolutely phenomenal. The number, you know, top five running back in fantasy football, but he's playing for a contract and basically the rest of his career this year. He needs to prove that he belongs, but he's breaking down at the wrong time of the season. Now we have maybe, uh, you know, Devin Azigbo potentially taking over. Dario Gumbawale, who came over from Tampa Bay earlier this season. We'll see what happens there. You know, um, Chark, Eifert, uh, LaVisca Chenault. I mean, again, 
if you're in a championship, you probably have better options. James Robinson's the only name from the Jags that you've been riding all season. Doubtful for the game, I would say at best. If he plays, are you even comfortable starting him against the Bears? All right, I think we lost Bobby just for a second here. Are you on mute, my man? All right, I think Bobby uh, may have dropped off just for a second if he's on. You hear me all right, Scott? Okay, there you are. Yeah, I I'm think back. Lost all right, cool. Answer. Sorry, man. I don't know. I was just no worries. Um, yeah, when I was looking at, yeah, I got you. Bears, Jags. So when I was talking about this game, uh, you know, the Jags are 7.5 of home underdogs in this game. And when I look at dropback data, you know, I don't think the Bears are going to have to throw that much in this game. So I don't think I'm going to be too excited to start anybody outside of the core guys because Chicago's 15th in dropbacks per game over the last five weeks, 16th in expectation. The Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they're a pass funnel defense, they're 25th in dropbacks and also 15th in expectation. So I, I'm not, I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to have to do that much to win this game. So I don't think I'm going to start a guy like Mitch Trubisky, but when you look at who beats the Jags run games have dominated them over the last couple of weeks. So I'm all in on a guy like uh, David Montgomery, red hot. I think Bill Lazor, you know, their new OC has kind of put his footprint on him. And I think it's finally showing uh, JK Dobbins in limited touches last week at a very productive game against the Jags. So I think David Montgomery's in without a doubt. And also outside receivers have dominated the Jags. Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, all dominated the Jags. So I'm all in on Allen Robinson. I think he's a DFS play. That's how good he's going to be in this game. But because of that limitation in the pass volume, Darnell Mooney, those guys, I don't think I'm too excited to start. You know, Mooney got in the end zone last week, but only had 49 yards receiving in that game. Now, you brought up a good point, Cole Komet. You know, he had, you know, a bunch of targets early on in the season. I mean, in the middle of the season, then last week he only has two. He's still splitting work with Jimmy Graham, but the Jaguars are a great matchup for tight ends. Um, you know, last week, Mark Andrews, five receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown. I think Cole Komet is a borderline tight end one in this game. If you have been streaming tight ends, you know, I think Cole Komet is definitely in the consideration this week uh, for that matchup. Now, on the Jag side, it's been – I was in on DJ Chark last week. He had four receptions for 53 yards against Baltimore, you know, and when I'm looking at who can beat the uh, Chicago bears, uh, you know, listen, outside receivers have produced Justin Jefferson, uh, Marvin Jones, uh, Sepsidus, uh, Sepsis, whatever his name, you probably know it. <laughs> What's the guy from Detroit? Sepsis. Quintez Cephas. Cephas. You're the, you're the, you're the pronunciation guy. I, I'm terrible at it, but um, <laughs> yeah, those, so it's been typical outside receivers that have put up points against the the bears, but I just haven't seen enough. DJ Chark has been a big disappointment this year. Um, and Chenault has actually been more productive, especially in PPR formats. So I think that if you're really looking at a PP, I think the only play, I think Chenault might be a PPR asset. He did pace the team in targets last week. He did pace the team in reception. So, you know, Chark, it's been a letdown. I think Chark is a desperation wide receiver three. And I think Chenault is a wide receiver three in PPR. And then that's really it. I mean, outside of that, listen, James Robinson, DMP. I don't, I didn't see practice reports for the Jags for Thursday, but I think James Robinson, if he plays, 
he's startable. But the Bears have been pretty solid against ground games for the most part, but they just got gashed by Dalvin Cook, 24 carries, 132 yards, and a touchdown. So I'm not going to fade. If you've been riding James Robinson all year as a flex play or an RB2, I'm not running from him because of the Bears. But the injury, I don't see him playing. And I'm not going to start a Dar, uh, Dare Ungumuwale or whatever his name is or uh, – Zigbo, I'm not going to start any of those guys. I'm not going to get cued. So if it's James Robinson, he's in, but I'm not going to play one of his backups if he's out. I totally agree. Uh, again, uh, Dario Gumboile is basically a pass-catching running back only uh, for the most part. That's been his role. And Devin Zigbo has been fine in limited role, but he's been out most of the season with his own injuries, COVID situation. And look, Rockwell Armstead has been nowhere to be found because of COVID earlier in the season. That's who we thought was going to take over for Leonard Fournette. So this backfield's kind of a mess without James Robinson. And frankly, even if Robinson plays, it, I, he's not 100%, clearly. Um, and look, Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook. James Robinson's been a great story for fantasy, great story for the NFL. That offensive line is not the Vikings. They don't have a pass game to keep the Bears uh, honest. They don't have Dalvin Cook. Um, so even right. a healthy James Robinson, I'd be a little bit hesitant. And certainly if he's not 100%, I would look to go elsewhere if I possibly can. But of course, again, don't get cute. Uh, you know, but if you have other options and you're, you're maybe looking at, you know, three RB2s or so, um, like, look, I don't know, for example, James Robinson, Kareem Hunt, David Johnson. I think is a, a reasonable grouping of running backs you could have in the middle of rounds. And then James Robinson off of waivers, I would go with Kareem hunt probably. And David Johnson for sure over James Robinson, for example, because of the matchup. What about Scott? What about Gio? Um, again, I'm probably going to go, Oh man. I mean, uh, that's so gross. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Honestly, uh, if he plays, I'm going to go James Robinson in that position uh, okay. because they're going to get the same amount of work. Uh, and I just trust his ability over Geo. Geo had a great game, you know, the other night, but I just don't expect that again. The issue is, again, if you're in the championship game, you probably are not choosing between those two guys. But look, right. there's been a lot of injuries and COVID at running back, so you never know. But on, if it comes down to that, I guess uh, I'll go with James Robinson. But that's about the line. I mean, that's like the bottom of the barrel there. So I think you can do better than that. Okay, let's move on to the Falcons and the Chiefs. Falcons at four and ten. Chiefs thirteen and one. The Chiefs have won 22 of the last 23 games, including the playoffs. Of course, the only loss in 23 games was the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders almost beat them a second time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers almost beat them. The Broncos almost beat the Chiefs. The um, uh, I'm sorry, I just said it last week. Um, the Dolphins almost beat uh, the Chiefs, or and the Saints last week almost beat the Chiefs. But my 49ers in the Super Bowl also almost beat the Chiefs. The difference between the Chiefs and almost every other team in the NFL is almost is obviously not good enough. You can't, you know, keep striking, keep striking, keep striking, miss a single drive because they score almost every single drive and you just can't keep up with the Chiefs. So they're 13 and one, the Falcons at four and 10. Look, Julio Jones not looking good again this week. Calvin Ridley's automatic. Uh, Matt Ryan. I don't feel good about him outdoors. I don't feel good about him um, on the road. I don't feel good about him against a borderline great Chiefs defense. Remember, the Chiefs defense was horrendous at the, at the first half of last season. They got good late, rode them all the way through the to, uh, through the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs are, are kind of 
you know, sneaky, very good, a very good matchup against quarterbacks and um, wide receivers as well. You got to trust Calvin Ridley, but frankly, I don't, I'm not feeling Ito Smith, who is the starter now, not Todd Gurley. Hayden Hurst, I just can't trust with the limited volume and the big boom bust there. Russell Gage, I don't mind as kind of a deeper flex position there, um, just because you should get Julio's volume if Julio is out. Um, but again, the Falcons kind of make me nervous outside of Calvin Ridley this week. The Chiefs, same old, same old. Uh, Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey automatic. Now, the big one is going to be Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is not Le'Veon Bell of old, obviously, uh, but CEH is out. Le'Veon Bell should get 15 touches minimum. Most of those probably through the air and what should be a shootout of one reason or another. Um, I like Le'Veon Bell a lot as an RB too. Uh, frankly, Le'Veon Bell is another name that I would play over James Robinson if James Robinson plays. Uh, so I feel good about the Chiefs across the board per usual. And Calvin Ridley, maybe Matt Ryan if you had to just because of the volume. But Matt Ryan has been so up or down. And last week was really his first actual productive game for fantasy without Julio Jones. I can't trust that with the number one seat on the line at home for the Chiefs. I just can't trust it. It would be volume alone, and I just don't think I could do that. So it's Ridley and the four Chiefs for me. Yeah, so I the, the thing i got to tell you I love about this game is that both defenses are pass funnel defenses. They are much better against the um, – well, Atlanta's much better – let me rephrase that. Atlanta's much better against the, the pass than they are against the run. I mean, Atlanta's much – all right, I messed this one up. Let's restart. Restart over. Okay, so Atlanta is a major pass funnel defense, and Kansas City is a major run funnel defense, but the Atlanta Falcons cannot run the football. Even last week when they had that big, big lead against Tampa Bay, they could not run it. I mean, Edo Smith had six carries, Brian Hill had five, and they, they couldn't run the football, and that's what Dirk Quarter does. Dirk Quarter is one of the pass-heaviest uh, offensive minds in football, so they're going to throw no matter what. And that kind of feeds into the Chiefs a little bit because they are more susceptible to the ground games than the pass. So I think Ridley's going to be great. I think, you know, Russell Gage, I just brought up, is great. But when I'm looking at this from a pass volume expect, uh, expectation, so Atlanta's 10th in dropbacks per game on defense, 7th in expectation. Kansas City's 14th in dropbacks per game over the last five weeks on defense, 14th in expectation. I think this is a volume galore game, but at the same time, Clyde Edward-Hiller, CEH being out, I think Le'Veon Bell is a basically a rock-solid RB2 must-start. So last week against a better run defense in, in New Orleans, you know, Le'Veon Bell had 15 carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown. And I think if he can do that against New Orleans, he can definitely do it against Atlanta. So I'm in on Le'Veon Bell. He's a rock-solid play, even though Atlanta is a much better run defense than a pass defense. But Patrick Mahomes is a cheat code. The Chiefs offense is a cheat code. And if he has all that work to himself, you're not fading Le'Veon Bell, so you're playing him. Now, when I look at this game overall for the Chiefs, I think it's pretty cookie cutter. You know, who beats the Falcons outside wide receivers? You know, Mike Evans, uh, Antonio Brown, Al, uh, Keenan Allen had a very productive game, and then Johnson as well. Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith all had productive days, and then tight ends. So I think that feeds into Tyree Kill. And I think that feeds into Travis Kelsey. They're going to be studs. They're going to be in no matter what. The matchup's great. But I think a guy that's a sleeper for me is Sammy Watkins. So Watkins last week's four receptions, 60 yards on six targets. And he did that against notable outside corners, Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. 
Now, the Atlanta Falcons don't – they have A.J. Terrell, a very young, talented cornerback, but he is not on the same caliber as those guys. So I think Sammy Watkins, to me, is a wide receiver three in this game, and he's a usable asset in this one. Now, on the other side of the football, I've been – Calvin Ridley has defied the odds. I mean, Calvin Ridley had tough matchups. Even though Charlton Davis, the shutdown corner for the Tampa Bay Bucks, got hurt last week, Ridley was just dominating him. 10 receptions, 163 yards on a touchdown. You're not fading Calvin Ridley. I think you brought up the fact that Julio's not looking like he's going to play. I know he was DMP Wednesday, but I didn't see any practice reports for the Falcons for Thursday. But if Julio's out, you're not sitting Calvin. That's fine. But I think you're right. When I looked at, you know, who beats the, the Chiefs, it's pass catching running backs. And I don't really see a guy emerging for the passing game for the Falcons. So I think another avenue could beat them is slot receivers. So Curtis Samuel, Chris Godwin had very productive days against the Chiefs. So I like Russell Gage. I think they're going to have to throw and put up points. Calvin Ridley is going to get his. I think Russell Gage, to me, is a fantastic wide receiver three this week in this matchup. And then tight ends. The Chiefs have been vulnerable against tight ends prior to last week's game. I know uh, Jared Cook was kind of a letdown. Only had two catches for 29 yards. But there's been big games. Like Mike Jaziki had a big game against the Chiefs a couple, couple weeks ago. I think if you're desperate, well, not desperate, but I think Caden Hurst, our boy, who's kind of been good. Do you think Caden Hurst has been a bust this year? Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I think Caden Hurst is a low-end tight end one uh, in this game. I think he's definitely serviceable because the Falcons are going to have to throw and keep up with the Chiefs. So on the Falcons side, I like Russell Gage. I like I like uh, Calvin Ridley, and I also like Hayden Hurst. And on the Chiefs, and I think that kind of relates to Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is a fine low-end QB1. On the Chiefs side, it's Mahomes, the studs, I think Le'Veon Bell, and I also think Sammy Watkins is a wide receiver three this week. I'm going to throw out another sleeper for the Chiefs, only if Tyreek Hill somehow misses. He's been questionable the last three weeks during practice, but he plays and he plays well. However, two weeks in a row on deep passes, touchdowns, whatever, Tyreek Hill kind of comes up gimp, holding his hamstring. Um, last week, uh, you know, a lot of people, if you were watching Red Zone, uh, you saw him kind of come off the field and then he was laying on his stomach on the trainer table, getting a massage uh, on his hamstring. And he was sipping like it looked like a little, pickle, you know, one it of those, was uh, pickle juice. It was pickle juice, right. For his, for his cramps, which I've done for years. I used to do it in high school football myself. I do it with workouts. Now um, it is helpful, but he was drinking that because his hamstring is in such bad shape. Now look, 80% of Tyree kill is still better than 90% of the receivers in the NFL. I'm not saying you do anything with Tyree kill, if he's active, you play him, enjoy it. If for some reason he comes up hiccup or something in the next day or two before the game and he doesn't play very long shot. If he doesn't though, it might be worth you burning a spot right now. It's your championship week. There's going to be about four guys, five guys on your bench that you know already you're not going to play this week. Dump them. If it's not a dynasty league, if it's not a, a keeper league, get rid of them. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Your season's over in three days, right? So get rid of them. Pick up Nicole Hardman. If Nicole Hardman is going to sit in for um, uh, Tyreek Hill, he is Tyreek Hill when he's out. That would be, you know, just kind of a defensive strategy from your, um, from your opponent or just something to hold on. Again, long shot. I do not expect Tyreek Hill to miss this game. That's not what I'm saying. I'm more thinking kind of worst case scenario, you know, mining for gold kind of a thing. You might be able to pick up a, uh, 
uh, a weak winner um, just in case if he's out there floating around. You might as well have him as opposed to your opponent. That's all I'm throwing out there. Okay, man, two games left. Let's blaze through them here. Colts and Steelers. Colts at 10-4. and four. Steelers at 11-3. and three. A month ago, looking ahead on the schedule for this, two things. A, there's no way I'm playing Jonathan Taylor in my championship game. Jonathan Taylor was not Jonathan Taylor yet. And the Steelers were easily the hardest matchup for running backs. Number two, for NFL purposes, this was going to be a top five NFL game of the year, the Colts and the Steelers, this time of the season with the playoffs on the line, yada, yada, yada. The Colts might beat the Steelers by three touchdowns in this game. I would straight up not be surprised. Steelers look absolutely horrendous on both sides of the ball. The Colts are playing very well. Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor after all. Phillip Rivers is still playing well. This one could potentially get out of hand. Colts come in at 10 and four, as I mentioned, Phillip Rivers, you know, again, uh, meh, he's a, he's a, a, a QB two. If you're going to need him in a super flex league, he'll be a, a good floor for you. I am playing Jonathan Taylor with confidence in this game. Do I expect 120 yards and a couple of scores? No, but do I expect, you know, a uh, hundred total yards, maybe 80 on the ground and a score? Yes. And uh, I just, with the upside of Jonathan Taylor with one, rush potentially i am going to play him we just saw again ridiculous circumstances but geo bernard of all people just had two touchdowns against um the steelers and had over 24 fantasy points so i'm going to take the upside there with jt i feel okay with Hines, but again i go elsewhere if i can look we wanted to ride ty hilton the last three weeks and we did that he kind of you know he just didn't score a touchdown last week against he's a still a good game if you had to play him as a flex position, cool. If you have better options at wide receiver two, that's where I would go. I'm going to stay away from the tight ends for the Colts. On the Steelers side, look, man, I Deontay Johnson, you got to roll out there because of the upside, because of the volume. Big Ben wants this guy to succeed so badly. He is peppering him with 10 targets a game. You have to ride that wave. Juju got his ass kicked last week after doing his TikTok stuff. Like, that's a bad look, and he got his ass kicked, and – Again, I'm not riding him if I don't have to. I don't want any of the running backs for the Steelers, whoever it is. I don't trust Big Ben at this point. And Chase Claypool's been boom or bust for the last month. Uh, Eric Ebron had a had a uh, issue with with the you know his back in in the game last week early. So call me overly pessimistic potentially on an 11 and three team, but the Steelers look bad, and I trust in the Colts. I'm going to play JT. You know, I'll play Ty if I need to, um, and I'm going to play. Deontay Johnson, but I'm probably going to fade the rest of this game, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, well, when I looked at this game, you know, the one thing I did notice, and these these defenses are both very good. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Steelers, uh, you know, but their defense wasn't terrible last week. It just seemed like they got put in very bad situations. And they and Gio, he, he was an opportunity. He scored, but he had 25 carries for 83 yards. It's not like he was running for five yards to carry or anything. And, and Ryan Finley, like we said, touched – 13 attempts and 89 yards. It's just, it was a weird game the way it happened. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to, I don't think all of a sudden the Pittsburgh defense is something we should attack. So when I'm looking at this though, the game's close two point game uh, for the spread, uh, according to, you know, Vegas, uh, Indianapolis Colts are, and, and the Steelers are actually more vulnerable to the run than the pass. And, when I'm looking at Indianapolis Colts, they've actually been allowing a lot of production through the air over the last couple of weeks as well. They're 11th in dropbacks per game, but they're fourth in expectations. So they've been seeing a lot of volume through the air. We saw Deshaun Watson, 373 and two just last week. 
uh, in that game. And then Pittsburgh on the other side is, is the opposite. They do not see a lot of pass volume. They're 28th in the NFL in dropbacks per game over the last five weeks, 29th in expectation. So when it comes down to it, and I look at the Colts, so listen, JT, you're staying with them. I get that. I'm okay with it. I think Pittsburgh is a little more vulnerable on the ground. And if, if Gio Bernard is going to get 83 yards, I don't think any of us are sitting JT. Now, when it comes to Hines, I'm not interested. I'm not going to play him. Like Gio, Gio had one catch last week. He caught it. He scored. I get all that. But the Steelers have been very good against pass catching RBs all year. I think you're rolling with JT. You take the carries and the volume, but I am not getting cute with Naheem Hines. Uh, outside of that, though, you know, outside receivers have actually been pre- pretty productive against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last week, I get it. Wasn't a lot of production there. But prior to that, Stephon Diggs had a big game. Marquise Hollywood-Brown had a very productive performance. And T. Higgins, the with Joe Burrow a couple weeks before had a very productive game against them. So outside receivers to me can beat the steel uh, outside receivers can beat the Steelers. So I think T Y Hilton could keep rolling with that hot hand. I mean, listen, T Y Hilton has turned it on over the last month and I know last week he didn't score, but he still had 71 yards in that game. And I'm going to go right back to the well. And I think T Y Hilton again is a wide receiver three in this matchup. And Jonathan Taylor is right on the board. Plus, the Steelers are so good against tight ends and running backs in the pass game. I think the receivers are where you're going to attack them. So I'm okay with T.Y. Hillen. I don't think I'm going to get cute, though, with Pittman. I know Pascal had a very big game, but slot receivers have not been productive against the Steelers. So I think T.Y. Hillen's the guy. On the other side of the football for the Steelers, like you said, I, listen, yes, the Colts have been a lot more susceptible to slot receivers. You know, Kiki QT has been, you know, dominated them, you know, three weeks ago. And then last week he had five for 53 and one. So that means to me that Juju could have a very productive game in this matchup, but Deontay Johnson is the guy. He's the guy you want. He's been extremely productive. Uh, They pepper him with targets. I am not fading him at all. Uh, You know, Hanson had productive games. Cooks was very uh, productive, productive from a PPR standpoint against the Colts. So it's definitely, I'm playing Deontay Johnson. I think Juju is on the wide receiver three map, especially because of that pass volume. Remember I told you, fourth in expectation in dropbacks. So I think Juju's in play. I also think, is Ebron, do we have practice report on Ebron by any chance? I'll double check, but it wasn't looking good. Yeah, uh, he's he was full, actually, no, he was full practice Thursday. So it looks like Ebron is back, but the Colts are so good against tight ends too that I think it's going to be, Deontay Johnson's going to be the clear cut, but I think Juju's also my wide receiver three. Chase Claypool's kind of splitting work now with James Washington. Washington actually is getting more routes than Chase Claypool. But last week it was Claypool. A couple weeks it was James Washington. So I think for me, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think it's only going to be Juju. And I think it's going to be Deontay Johnson. The ground game, you're right. But listen, Benny Snell, 18 carries for 84 yards last week. Um, if if um, if James Conner's out, I, I'm not interested in starting Benny Snell. The Colts' run defense is, is superior to the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think you're going to get too cute. I'm probably fading the ground game in this one. All right, so a couple things here. Uh, Eric Ebron did return, but he looked he looked real bad. So uh, what looked to be some, like, organ damage, basically, um, after that big hit on Monday night, uh, he missed practice early. He was held out of Wednesday's practice. He did return. Uh, yesterday at Thursday's practice, he got a full session in, which means he's on his way to playing. So again, you can't really go elsewhere at tight end because it's so tough. But if you had another guy that you were streaming with, maybe like, I don't know, a Noah Fant, a Dallas Goddard, 
you know, somebody like that, um, I'm going to roll with those guys over Ebron personally in this matchup. A, because he's not 100%. B, I don't trust the Steelers. C, the Colts are very good, as you mentioned. Secondly, James Conner looks like he is on his way uh, to play. He was practicing in full uh, all week this week. Yeah, and I don't know how you feel about James Conner. Listen, I was a big James Conner fan, and he was looking great in the middle stretch of the season. After week yep. one, essentially, he looked good. Yep. Um, but the Colts' I, run defense with uh, Leonard is just they're, – they're, 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 they're legit. Well, Leonard, in as a linebacker, is DeForest Buckner, who, uh, right. you know, 49er fans are – not thrilled that he's not on our team anymore. Um, of course, the, the the 49ers trade picks with the Bucks. We get the 13th pick. We trade that to the Colts. We send them to Forrest Buckner. We get Javon Kinlaw, who I think is going to be awesome, and he's been great for a rookie, but he's not DeForest Buckner, not yet at least. DeForest Buckner has changed right. that entire defensive line pretty much single-handedly. He did miss a game or two to, due to COVID situation, but dude is a monster. He's literally like 6'8". I mean, he's just a massive human being uh, up in the middle there. So James Conner's in trouble. He looks bad anyway. I don't think, you know, I'm a big fan of his, like on the human level uh, with everything and I'm rooting for the guy, but for fantasy and at this point in the season, kind of like Todd Gurley and some of these other backs, they just, they lose steam at this point at the wrong point for us in fantasy. So unfortunately I can't trust him. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have had, had the Colts number 13 of 15 in the regular season um, recently. So uh, this one, I just I expect the Colts. We're going to go over Pickums here in a minute, and uh, we'll get we'll get through that. But I just the Steelers look really bad on both sides of the ball right now. Just All right, thing, just before we yeah. move on, another thing that's big here too is that with Lev Bell back in the day, Big Ben used him a lot in the passing game, and right. they didn't have like a big time tight end. They had Heath Miller, but this year it's been like Ebron has been a huge part of that passing game, and the running backs have not been getting as many targets. So right. that's been another problem with James Conner. He has to essentially do it on the ground. Like Benny Snell was not used a lot in the past game last week. So that's another huge bump down for that, that running back position too. Totally agree. And look, Phillip Rivers and Jonathan Taylor can control the game as much as the Steelers want to. This could be one of those games, man, where there's like 70 plays and this game's over in like two and a half hours, you know, probably a lot of first downs, probably, you know, a lot of ground and pound, a lot of, you know, maybe three and outs or extended long drives, but not necessarily big plays. Um, you know, again, I, I just – I'm going to stay away from it outside of uh, JT um, for, for the most part and uh, Deontay Johnson as well. All right, last game here. Let's go with the Panthers and football team. Of course, Ron Rivera playing the Panthers, who he coached for uh, a number of years. Of course, Washington, 10, 6, and 8. Carolina has lost eight of the last six games. Excuse me. They've lost over the last nine. It would be impossible to lose eight six they've lost eight last nine games they started three and two looked promising and they've kind of gone down for carolina against the washington football team defense not excited mike davis i guess another one running backs like you gotta ride him because he took you this far but i expect 80 total yard to be a touchdown he's been kind of a plotter the last month anyway no big playability you're just looking at volume I'll ride him as an RB2, but I'm not excited about it. DJ Moore, I am okay with, but the, the football team is very good against wide receivers. Robbie Anderson, boomer bust, and I can't trust him right now. Curtis Samuel is fun, and he's better in standard leagues than PPR because he gets rushes as well. In standard leagues, I might fire him up as a flex. In PPR, I'm actually going to stay away from him. Teddy Bridgewater, absolutely not, probably even in super flex leagues. 
On the other side for Washington, for me, look, Dwayne Haskins probably still going to play, even though he, of course, got in trouble going to a strip club without a mask on. Like, fuck, dude. Anyway, I, I went in on him on Monday. You can go listen to how I compare him to Jameis Winston if you'd like to. Um, but I just don't believe in the guy in general and obviously not making good um, you know, decisions right now. Putting himself and team in jeopardy, I don't like that. Terry McLaurin, automatic, you got to play. Antonio Gibson, long shot to play in this one. If he plays, you fire him up. Otherwise, I'm good with McKissick. Not excited about Barber. And then, look, man, again, Bobby Lamarco. Got to throw a shout-out every single time he mentioned his name. Logan Thomas, absolutely on fire, 15 targets last week. I like that volume with or without Alex Smith, which is surprising. I'm going to take Logan Thomas um, for the football team there. But again, not crazy about any of these fantasy options, to be honest with you. Yeah, so this game is actually close line. Actually, when I looked online, it was half a point. So that means that this game is kind of a toss-up. Now, look, it sounds like of some of the reports, Alex Smith did return to limited practice uh, Antonio Gibson is actually back at practice as well uh, with that uh, toe injury. Something I thought notable was Terry McLaurin has been DMP the last two nights, uh, last two days. So that's interesting to me. Um, you know, Terry McLaurin has been great all year. Uh, he's been one of the best plays, but he's kind of slowed down a little bit. He did have a nice seven for 77 against Seattle uh, last week, but I think that's something we have to watch. If McLaurin is out, I think that means Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick are just going to be loaded up with targets um outside of the receivers i don't know if i'm going to get excited with like sims and isaiah Wright. Uh, no thanks but when i'm looking at this game carolina is kind of middle of the pack on defense in the sense of dropbacks 20th uh in dropbacks per game or the last five 18th in expectation now the washington football team is very good but they have been very they've seen a lot of pass volume over the last five weeks they're second in the nfl in in dropbacks per game and eighth in expectation so that does mean to me that there is some room for optimism for the receiving core for the Panthers. Now, you know, who beats the Washington football team? It's an average run game matchup. I'm not going out of my way. Mike Davis kind of uh, is starting to split work. He's no longer the true bell cow. They're trying to get some of these younger guys in um, Smith. Uh, they also have, he got a couple carries last week. So Mike Davis, yes, he is still the lead ball carrier, but he's not like getting that 20 carries a game that like he was in the middle of the season. So, I think Mike Davis is only a flex play in this game, especially against our tough Washington football team defense. But there is going to be some some uh, some some passing game volume in this one. So I think, you know, over the last couple of weeks, outside receivers have beaten the Washington football team. We saw Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Amari Cooper all have very productive games. I know they shut down DK Metcalf last week, but uh, I think a guy like DJ Moore could have a very productive day on the outside. I also think Robbie Anderson can too as well. That, that drop back volume that I saw in my analysis means that both those guys can be serviceable and as wide receiver threes in this matchup, especially because uh, the Washington football team is very good against slot receivers, which is Curtis Samuel. So those other guys could have more productive day. Um, and plus they're very good against tight ends and Ian Thomas is getting a little more work, but I'm not touching that on the Washington football team side and you know, who beats the Carolina Panthers. If Antonio Gibson is in, I'm playing him. I think the Panthers are, they're not a great run defense. Uh, Aaron Jones had 20 carries, 145 yards and a touchdown last week. So if Antonio Gibson plays, I think I'm going to give him the nod. I'd play him. If he's out, I'm playing J.D. McKissick. You know, the, the Carolina Panthers are very bad against the run, but they're also not really good against pass catching RBs as well. And then 
pretty much wide receiver. So the Carolina Panthers defense has been middling all year, average across the board. But, you know, inside receivers have done very well against. But when I was looking at it, you know, Denver Broncos, Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler, both had productive games. Justin Jefferson, uh, Bisbee Johnson, and Chad Beebe all had double-digit fantasy points. And Antonio Brown, Godwin, and Evans all hit double digits. So plenty of production there. So I'm definitely starting Terry McLaurin, of course, if he plays. But I'm not going to get cute and start anybody else. And also tight ends. So Robert Tanyan didn't have to do much last week, but he did get in the end zone. So I think Logan Thomas is in play. I think if Antonio Gibson is in, I think J.D. McKissick still could be a PPR or like flex play because I think he's going to get enough volume. But Terry McLaurin, watch out for that. If he's out, that opens up opportunities for everybody else. But if McLaurin's in, I think it's McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, and I also think Logan Thomas. And then I think McKissick is a PPR uh, flex play in this matchup. I agree. Let's get into a special section of our pickums here. Christmas Day, Christmas Day version here. Bobby, you have uh, really kind of closed the gap the last couple of weeks on our pickums. You, uh, Dweez actually paced the pack last week at 11 and five. You and I both went nine and seven, gained a game on Lucas, who's been in the lead all season. He was eight and eight last week. Overall, though, Dweez and Lucas are tied at 129 and 76. Bobby, you're one game behind him at 128 and 77. And I kind of swung for the fences last week on a number of upsets. Uh, I only hit on a couple of them, of course, trying to gain ground. So I lost. Uh, a number of uh, g- games there. So I'm 123 and 82, uh, six games behind you are. So hopefully I can pick up some ground, but let's get your picks as well, man. You know the drill. I'll give you two teams. You give me the winner. We're going to start tonight, Christmas night, with the Minnesota Vikings at New Orleans Saints. New Orleans. I also am going to go with New Orleans. Let's start with the Sunday early slate here. Cleveland Browns at New York Jets. Browns. Not feeling the back-to-back win for the Jets. I agree with you. Your New York Giants versus the Baltimore Football Ravens. Ravens. I agree with you there. Cincinnati Bungles off a huge win at Houston. Houston. I agree there as well. Chicago Bears at Jacksonville. Chicago. Chicago as well. Pretty chalk so far this week. I'm going to go Chicago also. Atlanta at Kansas City. Kansas City. Likewise. Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh going at home. The rest of us going with Indy and Annapolis. We just do not believe in the Steelers right now. Carolina Panthers at Washington football team. God, uh, Washington football team. I also am going to go with the Washington football team. Bobby, appreciate it, man. It is uh, Christmas Eve. We're getting it in. We appreciate uh, you jumping in. Everybody is uh, tuning into this on Christmas Day. Um, I hope you have a wonderful time with you and, and your family. I know you were able to touch base with your family back East. Uh, I had a, a phone call with my parents as well. Of course, many people not traveling this year to go see their uh, loved ones. Um, those of you that are, again, please uh, be safe, responsible, and respectful for those others traveling with the circumstances as well and normal holiday hustle and bustle. Wishing everybody the absolute best. Bobby, before we get out of here, please remind the TCK Potters where they can find all of your incredible content. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor, on Twitter at FFX Factor. I also write 
the shadow coverage report for football.rasball.com. And then I write an opportunities analysis on expandaboxcore.com every Saturday. Wishing everyone from the TCK pod to you and yours a very happy holiday season and a Merry Christmas to everybody supporting. We appreciate all of you. Thank you for tuning in for 16 weeks of this podcast. It means the world to us that you tune in every single week and you take our advice and you reach out to us. So please continue to do so at Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod, find our rankings and our playoff strength of schedule sheet still available at tckpod.com. We will be with you next week, week 17. We're putting in the overtime. We're putting in the extra week. Those of you that are in a chip in week 17, know that we disagree. You, we tell you not to do that, but I know it's not necessarily up to you. We will be with you till the end. Tune in next week as well. After that, we'll be coming together as a team. We'll be discussing the offseason uh, situation that will be into more DFS sports betting during the NFL playoffs when fantasy football is over. And then we'll be getting into recap shows, of course, looking back on 2020. Learn the page, get in, get into everything else. Appreciate everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Bobby Lamarco. Improve yourself and each other, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.